One of the most challenging things in a marriage is friendship. In fact, so many marriages leap into a relationship and forget about the friendship and divide up the tasks. We want to talk about becoming your spouse's best friend this week. You're listening to Parenting on Purpose. That was Dr. Bob Barnes from Sheridan House Family Ministries. I'm your host, Ruthie J. And this week with us, uh, the Mrs. Rosemary Barnes. And I, I like this. Uh, this is a parenting program, but so much of parenting mm. comes from the marriage. Absolutely. And uh, so we do want to touch on this marriage topic every once in a while. And um, we're talking about being your spouse's best friend. Yeah. Everyone's thinking about, okay, how, where does my marriage stand then in that level of friendship? I think it takes a long time to get there, and I think it takes a lot of work, but I think especially when the child factor comes into your marriage, it can tear the friendship apart. We're just dividing up tasks and moving on and kind of collecting at the end of the night and too tired to even talk to each other at the end of the night. So when it comes to parenting, a friendship with the parenting team, a friendship with a husband and wife is so unbelievably important, and yet I don't think anybody's taught us how to do that. I think a lot of people grew up and never saw their parents be friends. I don't know that people even think that friendship in a marriage relationship is something to shoot for or think about. I think, you know, when you're a young couple, newly married, you're it's all about passion and maybe the physical aspect of marriage. So you think and there's a point in time when there's not supposed to be passion well, or something? Anymore. No, but I oh. think that's the focus, especially in a newly uh, new Newly married couple. Ah, good. And, I, was, I was hoping you that would be your answer, actually. <laughs> and um, so the thought about developing a friendship, you know, I think probably men think about, you know, a fishing buddy or somebody to play golf with. And uh, women maybe think about a girlfriend and having lunch and going shopping or that sort of thing. And I think our friendships, we generally think of as our same gender. And to think about being a friend with somebody of the opposite gender your husband, your wife, is just perhaps something that we don't even really think about. But as you said, it's just so incredibly necessary for the family team. I actually think it's, and you're going to disagree with me on this, Rosemary, but I actually think it's more important for the man to learn how to do this than the woman. I think women naturally have friends. I I think they just have friends. You have friends all the time. You have somebody that you talk to them on the phone, and I marvel at how much you talk on the phone to your friends, and I don't even know what you talk about. You don't seem to talk about anything. I mean, you just have friends where guys don't know how to have friends in every arena for a guy that we hang with other guys is a competitive arena. Mm. We'd spend four hours in a golf cart, but we're not really, but we kind of are. And we're talking, but we're going separate places to get our golf ball. We spend whatever hours in a fishing boat. Could we not accomplish something and just go sit and have a cup of coffee with a friend? We're not mm. even sure how to do that. But it's not because you don't want it. Because I think, I mean, all the things that I've read too say men want friendships. They mm-hmm. just maybe don't know how to do that with a woman. Yeah. I, it's kind of weird. I think we don't know how to do that with men either. Okay. I think we don't know how to do it. I think we kind of think time spent totally just focused on friendship is a little bit of a waste of time. So let's hit a ball while we're doing <laughs> mm-hmm. it. You know, oh yeah. Somebody calls Rosemary for lunch and, and uh, says to Rosemary, can we have lunch? And Rosemary says, absolutely. When do you want to meet? And I say, so you're meeting with so-and-so for lunch. Uh, why? And she says, well, we're just going to hang out. You know, if a guy called me for lunch and said, I said, what's up? Why do you want to meet? And he said, I just want to bond. I'm not going to that lunch. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know how to do that lunch. And yet it's unfortunate. And God, said it's not good for man to live alone. But here's where we miss, and it is difficult, but he expected to me to be naked and not ashamed with my wife. And I don't think that's a physical nakedness in the marriage description. I think that's a friendship. Finally, at a point where it's such an amazing friendship, 
one person I can open up with in my life, and it's so, so important. And I agree with you, going back to a statement you made earlier, that I think women just naturally gravitate into relationship, and I believe that that's that we are wired by God for relationship because we're supposed to be the nurturers. And so I think it's a sort of a given in most women. I'm sure there are some exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, we are very relationship-driven. So, yes, I think that we just naturally know how important it is to share and open up and communicate and all those things where a man, perhaps it is kind of a new field for him. And so I think it's a matter of learning how to do it effectively. And yet I think there are some areas, though, of, of womanhood that we don't share everything with. I mean, mm-hmm. with our best friends, we share all our own flaws, you know, even physically. And then there's that part where you don't want to just focus on that because right. you don't want your husband to even remember that that's what's wrong with you or, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So you don't right. get to that level right. unless you actually do feel comfortable enough to, like you said, Dr. Barnes, just totally open up. Here it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm your spouse and we're friends and we're, we got to do this together. Wow. Don't right. you think we're supposed to get to that level though? Yes. Don't, Rosemary, don't you think we're supposed to get as a husband and wife to a level of friendship that... We have with no one else on planet mm-hmm. Earth. And, mm-hmm. I, and I really think that he, and it's real hard to separate these two, but I think that's one of the reasons for the whole sexual intimacy thing. We're supposed to experience things as husband and wife so much that we become one. And yes, it takes a long time to get there. And yes, no one teaches us how to do it. And I don't know how to have a friend where it's not goal-driven, but you know, a friendship where um, just to be graphic, a friendship that there's no purpose at the end of the night for us having this friendship right now. It's just a friendship with a destination is friendship. Right. It's just friendship. It's talking and listening and turning the television mm-hmm. off. When friends come over, we don't turn the television on. Oh, good. You know, Mike and Linda are here. Let's turn the television on. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet sometimes we don't know how to do this. Now, I do think that television has a place. There's just times when you're brain dead. Mm-hmm. But I think there's so many more times when we actually have to learn to have this friendship no one maybe told us, no one taught us, and no one did it for us to watch. Mm. And I do think that um, because we tend to be, as women, more relationship-oriented, then we need to learn how to effectively draw our husbands in without being demanding or without being his, quote, Holy Spirit, unquote, in his life, and to draw him, maybe by mentoring in front of him, how to be a good friend to him so that he is comfortable in that scenario and will gradually learn to open up more and more. I don't think much of the time men sometimes even know how their feelings perhaps about certain issues, maybe in the relationship. I'm sure they know exactly how they feel about things that are going on at work and uh, you know, you know, you, staff you related. You are talking here like I left the room. <laughs> Like, all of a sudden, I'm third person. You know, I don't think men have a clue on this. But, oh, oh, that's right. You're a man, Bob. I, I just remembered that. Acknowledge your presence. Yes, yeah. yes. I, hi, I'm here. Yeah. Would you agree with that, No, dear? I would agree with that. And I, and I, I think that you, uh, we've been married 40 years, and I think the first 10, I didn't even know I should go there with this relationship. And then I think the next 10 was the beginning of the risking going there. And I think the final 20 have been me feeling it's safe to share. 
Uh, it's not like I'm sharing flaws you don't know about. Uh, you really, really do know me. And that whole naked and not ashamed is a real picture of flaws, which is, mm -hmm. here I am. This is me. And, uh, and you're okay with it. You know, the passage in Matthew chapter 22 where it says, the goal in life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then that's the first commandment. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And my closest neighbor, neighbor's a proximity word. My closest neighbor is not somebody down the street or in another office at work. My closest neighbor is my spouse. And I think there's a reason to tell us that. And the reason to tell us is that is this is a goal to pursue. We think we know each other when we get married. We don't. Now, all of a sudden, we really start knowing each other. And it's not just in a physical intimacy. We're knowing all our weird idiosyncrasies. And she realizes he doesn't know how to talk. And and in about 70%, we're told, in about 70% of marriages, the woman is the relational person. And the man is, is not really a relational person. And so to bring him out. Mm -hmm. But the safety of a friendship, it's more than just a love or it's an addition to a love. It's to pursue this love your neighbor as a pursuit of a friendship, of expressing a friendship. I think the typical American in our culture desperately needs it, but I think the male in our gender really needs it. And let me paint a picture for you um, as we begin this week, because I think we need to look at how important this is. The number of men that have been in my office after 30 years of counseling who have said, I don't even know how this happened. This co-worker at the office and I began doing a project together. I'm a man, she's a woman. There was no interest whatsoever. We're just doing this project and then we're talking and then we're having coffee over this project and then all of a sudden we're doing hours after work on this project and then all of a sudden I've got a problem mm -hmm. because it started with a friendship and there was such a big friendship hole in his heart that he went after the friendship hole and it started to be filled and he started sharing with her stuff he probably shouldn't have shared. And then all of a sudden they've got a problem. Working on the friendship is so unbelievably important for the sake of the marriage, but for the sake of all that we can become. Mm -hmm. And we need to begin the process of doing that. Rosemary, you pursued that in us. And you pursued that in a dysfunctional person named Bob, who single parent household, dad, and all boys, no girls, till my dad got remarried. And so we just didn't sit around and say, tonight, we're going to sit around and talk. That <laughs> didn't happen. It might be tonight, we're going to stand around and duke it out there over what we're watching on television and rolling around and Stephen and I beating each other up or work out with the weights. It wasn't. I didn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And every woman listening to this right now is saying, what did you do? And that's what we want to spend the week talking about. How do you understand the importance of friendship? How do you then kind of break it down to what friendship is? And then how do you just do this thing? Mm -hmm. Because we think friendship automatically happens. Acquaintances automatically happen. And I think that there's a lot of people that are married today. The thought of going on a vacation alone terrifies them. The thought of spending five days alone in a cabin somewhere terrifies them. Mm -hmm. The thought of even for some going out to dinner, let's invite so-and-so. Well, we didn't invite so-and-so when we were dating. It was just us. Terrifies them because they don't know how to have a friendship and don't know how to pursue a friendship. It's a challenge, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, I think part of that learning to be a friend is to learn how different our perspectives on life are. Mm. And um, not just in gender, as a man, as a woman, um, our upbringing, um, just our perspective on life is very, very different. And we don't want to oversimplify or stereotype people, but there are certain things that are 
kind of common to all of us and kind of in a fun way. It's interesting to look at our perspective on life. Um, for example, one of the ways that we are very, very different is in our temperaments. And again, it's I don't want to oversimplify, but there's just a great little piece of literature by uh, John Trent and Gary Smalley that talks about the temperaments. And he talks about the different animals that represent each temperament. The temperaments came out of Germany about 40 years ago, our basic approach to life, the glasses you look through. And and from there, we've had the disc, and we've had all these different things to work out the temperaments. And it's real important to know somebody's perspective because we make the assumption that everybody's like us, everybody right. values things like us, things, yes, things all of those. like us. And the fun thing for Smalley and Trent is when they put it into those animals, the animals not only became a way for us to understand each other, became a way for us to help our children understand each other. They were very valuable for Tori and Roby to understand mm-hmm. how they were. And so they took significant research, and instead of the disc and the, oh, you're a high D or whatever, they brought it down to animals so that we could all kind of get a picture, especially mm-hmm. with our children. And I think for friendship, I would say, that's a great start. Suffice it to say, you and I could not be more different. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and for us to break it down and see that my temperament sees it this way and your temperament sees it that way, and my temperament specifically, and we're going to spend more on this tomorrow, just kind of breaking the temperaments up, but my temperament really believes uh, that my temperament is the right temperament and everybody mm. else is a wannabe. Hmm. Uh, everybody, when they grow up and get mature and realize mm. how life is all about. So one temperament is right and others are wrong? Well, my temperament believes that, but then your temperament's somewhat delusional. And, What's the uh, name of your temperament? Well, there are, there are multiple temperaments, and we're going to hold that for tomorrow. Crazy. Yeah, well, that did you animal, say the word yeah. ego? No, I said crazy. Oh, I thought you said the ego temperament. No, the ego temperament, and crazy is not a temperament either. But I think this is, for parents, it's great to know a predisposition. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and I'm wired. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also great to know that every temperament is affirmed in the Bible mm-hmm. and every temperament is a leader in the Bible. Uh, as you look at all those leaders, there's not the leadership temperament in the others. Um, and but Jesus had all of them. Yes, he did. He was the perfect combination of all of them. So we want to look at that, but what we want to look at as we're developing a friendship, because our children are watching us. Mm-hmm. As we're developing this friendship, we want to help uh, we want to know the temperaments and, and figure that out for our spouse, and we want to help our children learn their temperaments um, because it helps us realize you're just different in some areas and you see things differently. When you're pursuing becoming your spouse's friend, it helps to know how your spouse thinks. And we're just scratching the surface of this topic, so we hope you'll join us for the rest of this week on this topic of becoming your spouse's best friend here on Parenting on Purpose. Uh, You're listening to Dr. Bob and Rosemary Barnes from Sheridan House Family Ministries. I'm your host, Ruthie J. and if you want to hear this program again, share it with a friend, you can go online to parentingonpurpose.org. And for more on Sheridan House Family Ministries, go to shfm.org. It's short for Sheridan House Family Ministries. We hope you'll join us tomorrow for more on this topic of becoming your spouse's best friend here on Parenting on Purpose. Parenting on Purpose.